Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Come Follow Me, Disciples Journey. This episode will cover Alma chapter 40. This is Alma, this is where Alma is really going to start diving into Corianton's questions. And how does he start to answer Corianton's questions? And how does he continue to answer Corianton's questions? And how does he finish answering Corianton's questions? Well, the plan of salvation. He teaches him about the fall. He teaches him about our plan, our, our, our uh, purpose for uh, life. He teaches him about the spirit world. He teaches him about the resurrection. He teaches him about judgment. And most importantly, he teaches him about mercy and justice and how the atonement of Jesus Christ is at the center of, of the plan. So, uh, why is that in, Why is that interesting? Why is that important? Well, it's what we should be teaching. It's what we should be learning. It's what we should be teaching our kids. It's what we should be teaching our family members and friends. It's what answers, as President Oaks has said, most of the questions that we can have. Um, it's what Alma taught the people in Ammonihah. It's what softened Zeezrom's heart and changed him from an antagonist to a protagonist. It's what, uh, Lehi taught his sons. It's what everyone has ever taught in the history of ever to answer questions of the soul. The atonement is at the center of it and a plan of salvation around it. So, uh, chapter 40, we get Alma saying for the first time, for I perceive that thy mind is worried concerning the resurrection of the dead. All right. So first thing he's going to address is the resurrection. What does it mean? How does it work? What is the resurrection? So chapter 40, largely about the resurrection. So he really starts to dig into why Corianton was sinning. Uh, because without a, without an understanding of true doctrine, it becomes much easier to fall into forbidden paths. Uh, but true doctrine, when understood, leads us to the Savior and increases our faith in Him. And with our when our faith increases, our desire and ability to act and follow Him also increase. So, uh, some interesting things in the first few verses here is Alma's Alma's pretty clear here. He's like, look, I'm only going to focus on, and as you read through the first few verses of chapter 40, you'll understand what I'm saying. Uh, I'm not going to read them all, but he basically is saying, I'm focusing on one aspect of the atonement, or excuse me, of the resurrection. There are other things. I don't know them all. I don't know every detail. I don't know if it's when it is or how this works. I don't know the, the full operation of it, but this one thing I do know. And he says, now look, but I show unto you one thing which I have inquired diligently of God that I might know. That is concerning the resurrection. So something about the resurrection that Alma himself had, had had a question about, and he had sought diligently the answer, and now he has it. And what is he going to do with it? He's going to share it with his son. Now there's other things. And he's like, look, now and I don't... He says, uh, Behold, there is one time appointed uh, that all shall come forth from the dead. Now, when this time cometh, no one knows, but God knoweth the time which is appointed. It, is, it doesn't matter. I, there, he's he's going to say this. He's going to go through that kind of line of thinking multiple times. Like, look, there's a, I understand that what I'm saying leads to other questions. And hey, son, you know what? I don't know all of that. You don't have to have all the answers. That's what you learn from Alma. You don't have to have all the answers. But you know enough. And you can know enough. This reminds me of 2 Nephi, uh, chapter 2, where Lehi, teaching his sons, say, says, uh, 
Wherefore men are free to, according to the flesh, and all things given them which are expedient, and all things are given them which are expedient unto man. The things that we need, the things that are necessary, expedient, are given to us. You don't have to know everything. There will be a time for that. But the core principles and doctrines of the gospel can be known and can be understood, and you can have faith in them. And that's what Alan was telling his son. Is like, oh, yeah, there are, there are the, yeah, there's lots of other questions. I don't know those. But they don't matter. Um, there was a talk at uh, BYU by uh, Elder Lawrence Corbridge called Stand Forever. And he talks about the difference between primary questions and secondary questions. Secondary questions are infinite. They'll, they'll, they'll just always keep coming until we achieve exaltation and can know all that God knows and understand all that he understands. They'll just keep coming. But they're, they're secondary. They're ancillary for a reason. The primary questions are, is Jesus Christ the Savior of the world? Is he real? Is Joseph Smith, was Joseph Smith his prophet? Is the Book of Mormon true? And you, those, those have an answer. And you can find those answers. And by answering those questions... You can have faith in the Lord until the secondary questions can be answered. And even and, and even beyond, you can have faith. And so I, that's one thing I learned from Alma is you don't have to have these all the answers. But he has one answer and he says, this answer, this is, this is enough, Coranton. Understanding this part of the resurrection is enough. Um... I also learned here, you can see Alma, you know, he's the high priest, he's the leader of the church, and yet here he is, not knowing everything. You know what? I bet, I, I'm willing to bet President Nelson knows more than me, but I'm also willing to bet he doesn't know everything, right? He's still continuing to learn. It's part of life, it's what, it's a, it's part of the purpose of our life here. Um, Next thing he teaches him, that's just interesting, teaches Corianton, is that time doesn't matter. Time is irrelevant to God. Uh, and so, uh, I love, I love the way that C.S. Lewis, I mean, it's going to come, if you're a listener of mine, you'll be, you'll be shocked that I'm going to quote C.S. Lewis. Uh, the way that he describes time and the Lord's time is as though the, the Lord is an author and we are characters in a book and that he, uh, he knows the end from the beginning, he knows the entire book. He knows what he's going to write. Uh, it may not be written for us, so we may not have experienced it. But to him, it's already he, he knows the story. Uh, while he's writing it, you know, he could write. Sally sat on her chair, and then there was a knock on the door. And now, to Sally, she may get up. In the story, she might get up and go answer the door. Um, you know, it may take her a matter of, you know, a short time, quote unquote time, a matter of seconds. But from the time that the author wrote that there was a knock on the door, and then he wrote that Sally got up and answered the door, could have been eons and eons of time to Sally, right? So in that moment, the author can sit with Sally as though she's the only character he's ever written about. And he, she can be with him and only him and be alone with him 
and and have his entire complete focus and he can consider her and love her because Sally's time is only measured for Sally, right? It's a confusing thing, but what you need to know is multiple things that Alma mentions in these chapters, actually at the end of chapter 39 and then here in chapter 40, teach us that time is only measured for our benefit. There is no such thing. It doesn't really exist. Um, and as C.S. Lewis says, many of the things that, you know, atheists, and many of the problems atheists have with, with God involve time. Like, well, if there's a God, how can he possibly listen to all the all prayers at the same time? Well, time's irrelevant to him. There's, there is no constraint on him. I'm moving on from that. So, <laughs> uh, because my head will also explode if I continue thinking about it. So, he teaches him about what happens first. Alma teaches Coriantum what happens when people die. What happens between dying and the resurrection? Well, he says they're taken home to that God who gave them life. And they're the spirits of all men. So, President Joseph Fielding Smith said, These words of Alma, as I understand them, do not intend to convey the thought that all spirits go back into the presence of God for an assignment to a place of peace or a place of punishment. And that before him receive their individual sentence. Taken home to God simply means that they are, their mortal existence has come to an end and that they have returned to the world of the spirits where they are assigned to a place according to their works with the just or the unjust. Uh, there to await their resurrection. Back to God is a phrase which finds an equivalent in many other well-known conditions. For instance, a man spends a state of time in some foreign mission field. When he is released and returned to the United States, he may say, it is wonderful to be back home. Yet his home may be somewhere in Utah or in Idaho or somewhere other, some other part of the West. Uh, President George Q. Cannon similarly taught, uh, this does not intend to convey the idea that, there are immediately, that they are immediately ushered into the presence, personal presence of God. He evidently uses that phrase in a qualified sense. So but what he's teaching Corianton is that all spirits are taken back to the spirit world. And he moves on and teaches him that they, the righteous have a rest from, and he lists a bunch of things. And the wicked, though, know that they have an awful remembrance of their of their guilt. Uh, I wanted to read some of the things that they have a rest from. And then it shall come to pass that the spirits of those who are righteous and are received into a state of happiness, which is called paradise, a state of rest, a state of peace, where they shall rest from all their troubles, from all their care and all their sorrow. What do they rest from? Troubles, care, sorrow. One thing I noticed this time in my study is that the word work is not. When I think of rest, I think of resting from like labor, right? Like I had a hard, long day at work. I need to rest. I just did, you know, I I worked in my yard uh, for, uh, for a few hours and now I need to rest from the work, from the labor. Interestingly enough, that concept is absent from the list that Alma lists and it makes me think that there is much work to be done on the other side of the veil. And as Latter-day Saints, we know and understand that. We know and understand that missionary work continues, uh, Temple and Family History work continues beyond the veil, and there is much to be done. Um, so, another thing that's important to point out here in Nalma's teaching is that this paradise is not the state, the final judgment. This is not the final resting place. This is not the, the end-all, be-all. Uh, and this is where the restoration of the gospel dis- differs from many other Christian religions. Uh, this is this type of rest, this type of paradise, is probably what when you talk to like a 
um, most other Christians. This is this is kind of what they think of as he- as being heaven, right? But Alma's going to go on in this chapter and other chapters to make sure that his son understands that's not the end. There is a resurrection. And so, in fact, in this chapter, he goes on and says, um, he says, is this resurrection? Well, I admit that this might be termed resurrection. He's like, you can kind of call this a resurrection, but from like from happiness to happiness and misery to misery, but that's not, that's not it. Um, he says that their first resurrection is a resurrection of all those who have been, who are, or who will sh- or shall be down to the resurrection of Christ from the dead. So he teaches that, no, behold, I say unto you, nay, it meaneth the reuniting of the soul with the body of those, uh, from the days of Adam down to the resurrection of Christ. So he's talking about the first resurrection and the way that he uses this is slightly different than maybe we think about it when we go to the temple and we hear those type that type of language. He's saying the first resurrection is not this, you know, paradise or spirit world. No, it's an actual resurrection. It's a, you know, the soul, spirit with the body. And he's talking about in terms of time. So all the saints from the time of Adam to the time of Christ were resurrected first at Christ's resurrection. Okay. That's something that we know. Uh, modern uh, revelation confirms that when we hear the first resurrection, like the morning of the first resurrection, what that means is uh, celestial bodies. So I've got some quotes here. First from Joseph Fielding Smith. While there was a general resurrection of the righteous at the time of Christ rose from the dead, um, it is customary for us to speak of the resurrection of the righteous at the second coming of Christ as the first resurrection. It is the first of us, for we have little. It is the first for us, the for we have little thought or concern over what, over that which is past. The Lord has promised that at that time of His second advent, the graves will be opened and shall, and the just shall come forth to reign with Him on the earth for a thousand years. Uh, Bruce R. McConkie taught that those coming forth in the morning of the first resurrection do so with celestial bodies and shall inherit a celestial glory. These are they who are Christ's first fruits. Those coming forth in the afternoon of the resurrection do so with terrestrial bodies and consequently shall inherit the, that kingdom. They are described as being Christ at his coming. All who have been resurrected so far have received celestial bodies. The coming forth of terrestrial beings does not commence until after the second coming. So the morning of the first resurrection means being resurrected with a celestial body. And according to Bruce R. McConkie here, all those who have been resurrected thus far have all received celestial bodies because all celestial beings will be resurrected first. That's the morning. That's the morning, midday, evening, right? Celestial, uh, terrestrial, telestial. So Alma's trying to like convey this to his son that there's a difference here in first resurrection. What And what he's trying to hone in on is what he's really talking about is people will be resurrected at Christ's time. When Christ was resurrected, that's the first resurrection group timing that Alma's talking about. And he's making sure it's clear to Corianton that it is a resurrection of the body. Um, he says, the soul shall be restored to the body and the body to the soul. Yea, every limb and joint shall be restored to its body. Yea, even a hair of the head shall not be lost, but all things shall be restored to their proper and perfect frame. Um, and then he says, 
Behold, an awful death cometh upon the wicked, for they die as to things pertaining to the righteousness. For they are unclean, and no unclean thing can inherit the kingdom of God. But they are, they are cast out and consigned to partake of their fruits, of their labor, or of the works which have been evil, and they drink the dregs of a bitter cup. So, he says, that everyone's resurrected. Everyone gets the body. Every, everyone dies. Everyone goes to the spirit world. But he distinguishes and says, righteous and wicked are distinguished in the spirit world. Then he says, everyone's going to be resurrected. Soul and body. Everyone. Then, but then he makes sure to distinguish and say, but that doesn't mean that everyone is redeemed. Remember, what I, if you re- listen to the overview section uh, for this week, it seems as though Corianton had fallen into some nihorism, thinking uh, of a universal salvation. So he's been teaching and he's been understanding that, hey, well, look, my dad, and his dad just taught him even right now, everyone's resurrected. So he's thinking, well... That must mean everyone's redeemed, right? Wrong. So Alma teaches him, and that's what Alma's teaching him. That's the specific point of the resurrection that he's trying to teach him, is that yes, everyone dies. Yes, everyone goes to the spirit world. But there is a difference even in the spirit world between the righteous and the wicked. Yes, everyone is resurrected, but there is a difference between the righteous and the wicked. Uh, Verse 26, which is what I had just read, that no inclined thing can inherit the kingdom of God. Heavy shades of Alma chapter 12, where Alma says basically that to the wicked, it's as though no redemption had been made. And they're cast out, right? So there's a difference between the righteous and the wicked. As you read these chapters, I think it's important that you understand and recognize how Alma ends each chapter. Because remember, it's not really, we put the chapters in as we were compiling the Book of Mormon in this day and age. Mormon didn't put these chapters in. There are some natural breaks and things, obviously, right? But this is one coherent message to his son. So look at how each chapter ends and what kind of questions that the, that thing, the, how it ends, might bring up. And then notice how Alma starts the next section. So, you know, in chapter 41, he's going to perceive some more things. And it has to do with what Alma's just taught about the wicked. And in 40, chapter 42, it continues that same type of thing, right? That same uh, pattern where what he's been teaching causes some more questions and then he perceives those questions and so he continues to answer, continues to answer, dig down, drill, 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 until he gets to justice and mercy and the atonement that answers. That's like the big answer, right? So, in the, in chapter 40, he teaches his son, if I to, to summarize, that there is a difference between the righteous and the wicked, that not everyone is saved. Corianton, like I said, seems to have fallen into this thought of of universal salvation, universal redemption. And he's saying, look, that's not the case. Yep, everyone gets to be resurrected, but there is a difference. Thanks for listening to this uh, episode uh, covering chapter 40 of Alma. Uh, I hope you'll join me in, in chapter 41. Look forward to chatting with you then and enjoy your study.